Hello, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Manxiety Podcast. We're your hosts, Ashad and Matt. Before we get started, if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe so you can get notified of new episodes. If you want to share this with your friends, you can find us on all podcasting platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This week, we have another special guest on the show. We'd like everyone to welcome our friend Anna. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the show. Hey. Hey, how you doing? Good. How about you guys? We're good. We're good. Thank you very much for agreeing to come on the show. Well, thank you for Um, actually you guys agreeing to let me come on the show. Oh, I mean, yeah, I guess that's that's true. It does work both ways. True, yeah. true. I I was about to say, oh, we're fine with anyone coming on, but then I'm like, we're really not. You have to be, you know, we have to kind of know you and make sure right. you're not just gonna, you know, get our show canceled or something. So that's exactly what I'm here to do, actually. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> I mean, uh, we had, we had a good run. Please, by all means, take us <laughs> off the air. I mean, yeah, honestly, we're kind of tired of doing the show. It's been what over a year. We have like 110 episodes at this point. It's a little too much for my liking. Uh, we need to start over. Mm-hmm. New show coming next week after this show coming next <laughs> week. Uh, it's going to be called the Anxiety Podcast. We're dropping the M. We're making it all inclusive for everyone. Wow, how untoxic of you! I'm just kidding. I know. Um, <laughs> uh, I like the segue there, but um, so the reason you're on is because you. We were talking, uh, well, like the three of us were talking, and you mentioned that you wanted to get on and talk a little bit about uh, toxicity and uh, specifically about uh, toxic masculinity. Um, so, you know, give us give us the lowdown. What, uh, you know, what what about toxic masculinity did you want to talk about? Well, <clears throat> so I was listening to your guys's episode. Of, I think it was uh, two weeks ago. And I'm not saying that you guys are toxic, right? I just want a full disclaimer. I don't think you guys are super toxic or anything like that. But um, yeah, you were just listening to our podcast. And, yeah, no you know, big deal. You know, the, yeah, randomly you thought about yeah, there toxic was nothing masculine. you guys yeah. said that was toxic <laughs> at all. No. <laughs> no, you guys were talking about um, someone was telling a story uh, when they got really drunk and. They wanted to defend their friend and they had to get into a fight and blah, 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 and all this like macho man stuff. So I was like, I couldn't help but think like, this is toxic as fuck. And then I thought, what a great place to talk about this, to talk about this topic specifically with the platform that you guys have and considering that you are two men and you're talking about mental health and anxiety and all that type of stuff. So I figured... I would really love to pick your brains about what is your understanding of toxic masculinity and do you think that you maybe not necessarily like overtly express it but maybe unconsciously do things that are toxic. Oh, totally. Also, sorry, not to cut you off, but I did look up the basic definition of toxic masculinity in preparation for this interview. <laughs> Um, You're very well prepared. Oh, please. I looked up one definition. (laughs) (laughs) So there's kind of two things that I saw as like the common thread through the definition. So first of all, I didn't realize that it's a term that's also used in academia. So this isn't just something that like pop culture 
created. You know what I mean? This is like an actual thing. Um, but it's, it's the a discussion of masculinity that refers to certain cultural norms that are associated with harm to society um, and to men themselves, right? It's like the notion of like people's idea of manliness, right? Where they like perpetuate certain things like homophobia and aggression and all these other really actually toxic things. So posing the question to you guys now, do you... What is toxic masculinity? Is, Is that the question? Well, I guess, yes. What is your understanding and definition of toxic masculinity? And do you think that you or even your friends or people you care about exhibit these types of traits oh yeah so going back to the story obviously the story was about me mm-hmm. um I, <laughs> and this was this was a couple of years ago uh well more than a couple at this point this was uh, early on in college and i think we've talked about this uh before anna but you come from like a middle eastern background right yes okay uh, as do i uh, matt doesn't but he's i don't know he's white he's some sort of white but you're, you're uh, being toxic as fuck right now, right? <laughs> L- list out the eight different types of white I am, all right? Irish, uh, German, English. Irish, Scottish. Um, I don't know. Anyway, let's let's get back to the topic. Uh, but yeah, going back to what you were saying, I mean, I I completely think that one toxic masculinity is pretty prevalent in especially Middle Eastern cultures or just traditional cultures. Um, and two, I I do think that I had at least some level of toxic masculinity had have, I may still exhibit it every now and then, but um, I think it's something that, you know, I've, I've realized and it's something that I try to work on. Right. Um, but as far as what the definition is, uh, I mean, I, you know, the textbook definition, I think had it pretty spot on. I, I think it's just uh, being overly masculine at the expense of, sort of the people around you or your yourself or just um, just at an expense, right? Sort of being masculine, whether you hurt yourself physically or mentally or emotionally or hurt someone else in any of those ways. Um, at least that's that's the way that I, I think about toxic masculinity. Matt? Yeah, what, I think... What do you have? <clears throat> I mean, I, I was Googling the definition over here, uh, so I, I have some idea but i think that overall it's really just like the overcompensating for some underlying condition and i think that in a lot of ways that could be somebody overcompensating for them having anxiety and not being able to talk about it so they have to appear as like the ultra masculine macho like never have feelings never whatever like no matter what happens it's i'm gonna be a man and i'm gonna toughen up and i'm gonna take it right But if you're doing it because you think that it makes you a man or it makes you like a better person somehow, it's it's like the same thing that I think with people um, that do like cold showers, but they don't do it for the benefit of cold showers because there are some benefits of cold showers. They do it because they're like, I can go 10 minutes in in ice and you could never do it because you're a bitch. And it's like, I enjoy warm showers, bro. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I I enjoy warm showers and fruity drinks sometimes. Like, I'm going to live my best life. Like, don't talk to me. Apparently you're not a man, Matt. According to the definition, <laughs> I guess not. Oh, I'm not. I'm not toxic by any means. I don't think. Uh, but I definitely think that. Yeah, you, you know, p- 
people exhibit those traits because it's a it's like a social thing to do, especially in high school, right? It's very much like learn behavior, like somebody will use a word or say something or do something, uh, especially with like the homophobia aspect. And then people just kind of repeat it over and over again. And even if you're kind of like uncomfortable with it, it's like that group think of, well, I guess everybody else is doing it and I don't want to get picked on. So if I stand up for it, are they going to pick on me instead? You know, it's kind of like, you know, you you know what's interesting about that as well. What's up? Uh, I, I think it's not not to say manlier, but I think it's manlier to stand up for like what you believe in or like the little guy, right? Like to be more heroic, I guess, or more chivalrous than it is to like go along with what other people are saying. So it's it, it's funny how like people think that doing that and like being toxic in that way, uh, they think that it's going to make them more manly. Whereas like in my eyes, and I think probably in the eyes of a lot of other people, sort of going with the group and especially if it's like as far as like picking on someone or being homophobic or something like that, it's it's much less manly to to do that, right? To to go along with the group than it is to stand up and say, hey, that's wrong or we shouldn't be doing that and, uh, you know, stand up for for the other people or the other person. Right. It's like a real man is living in accordance to your values. And if those are not your values, you should say something. But the issue is when you're young and you're in high school or whatever, it's tough, right? And then once, like now that I'm an adult and somebody does something I don't like, I just tell them. Or if they do something that's like pissing other people off or something like that, I just get in front of them and tell them because I'm bigger than most human beings and most people are not going to like fuck with me, which is uh, which is great, which is a different part of being toxic, I guess, right? Using your size to, to, <laughs> to, to you know, calm people down. Um, so I want to jump in here really quickly because... I'm just thinking like a shot. You said that you use the phrase not to be like, I know you weren't using it in like a toxic way or anything, but you said um, it's more manly to stand up for the little guy. Right. But isn't that just like integrity? Like we're assigning a specific characteristic, right. To manliness. Because if you take the man out of it, isn't that literally just like pure integrity, like standing up for what you believe in? Oh, totally. So I mean, it's weird I, that we're like assigning almost a gender to this characteristic. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, no, you're completely right. I guess in a traditional sense, right? Sort of how society. Um, categorizes certain traits or certain things right like men are seen as the provide or uh, sorry like the protector um they're supposed to stand up for the little guy they're supposed to be the strong one they're supposed to be uh the one that provides for their family or for the village or whatever right provides for the people and in a traditional sense right women are seen as the nurturer and the provider and um you know the one that and I mean, there's there's a reason for that, right? Because women are the only ones that can really bring life into this world and reproduce and sort of, uh, you know, continue our our species. There's a reason that they're seen as more of someone that needs to be protected, or like that not needs to be, but like there's a reason that like men want to protect them and want to be more of that figure of like, uh, you know, the the strong one, so that they can go and you know, continue on sort of uh, the legacy or the generations. Um, so I, I guess it's just going back to that definition of 
uh, when when I say more manly, that that's what I'm referring to. But you're totally right. I mean, these are these are traits that everyone should have, right? Anyone should stick up for something they see is wrong, or for the little guy, or um, you know, what whatever it is. Uh, but I think just within our society, and especially within like Amarmi and the Armenian culture, uh, or just most Middle Eastern or uh, more traditional cultures. Uh, th- that's sort of how it is, right? Like I've grown up with that mindset because that's the uh, that's the environment you grow up in. Um, I, I mean, you know, at home it, it was always, and in most cases still is, where the guy in traditional Armenian households, it's the guy that's going to work, it's the guy like breaking his back, you know, the breadwinner bringing food home, and it's the woman taking care of the house, uh, you know, taking care of the kids, raising them, doing all that. I mean, now... In today's day and age, obviously, there are a lot of Armenians that are more modern and, you know, both people work. In a lot of cases, the woman is doing more of the work, the guy is staying home. So those gender roles are more um, spread out, I guess, or more balanced. Uh, But there is still a lot of that. And I don't think we see it very much here in America, but definitely in Armenia or in other countries, I I think it's still very much prevalent. It's interesting because I grew up very differently, even though <clears throat> my dad is um, he's from Georgia. So um, technically speaking, you know, I am Middle Eastern in that sense. But the way that I grew up is entirely opposite of that. My parents are never going to listen to this so I can talk about this. <laughs> um, That's what and, you think. <laughs> my mom is going to call me tomorrow. What the hell? No, um, <laughs> no, my in my family, my mom was the boss. So I grew up watching a strong female take care of everything and do my, I mean, obviously my dad worked and provided for us and stuff, but my mom was the, the head of household, basically. She right. took care of everything. So when we talk about these like traditional ideas of like what it means to be a man, I genuinely cannot help but just roll my eyes so far back into my head, it hurts. And not for any like, I'm I'm super feminist. Just genuinely like, yes, I'm a feminist, but also like, this is just stupid. I just, it doesn't make any sense to me, but that's like a side point. The something I wanted to bring up too is, I think it's amazing that you guys are having these conversations, right? I feel like there's not a lot of, men and males out there who are openly talking about maybe more so now, but still not that many who openly talk about mental health and things like that. So do you think that having these conversations is enough to address something like toxic masculinity? Like, is that something that's going to be addressed by more people coming out and talking about topics like this specifically, or what do you think? I mean, I I think having the conversation brings more awareness to it, which then will, you know, eventually lead to change. Hopefully people realize that they're being toxic um, or other people will say that, no, you guys are totally wrong. This isn't a thing. Uh, but hopefully there will be some people that listen to it and they're like, oh, you know, maybe it's true. Maybe I was being toxic and they rethink sort of the actions they take. And next time they're not, they don't take those same actions or, you know, they do something that's not as toxic. 
But I, uh, I want to go back to what you were saying. I mean, I think the, sort of throughout, I think, history, there have always been strong women, right? Uh, I mean, you can go back um, to pretty much any generation. and there, there have always been women that have been uh, leaders, that have been strong military leaders or village leaders or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's it's really just depends on the their circumstances and their upbringing and sort of uh, you know what they I guess their values it sort of goes back to that right like what what do they value what what do they think uh, what do they want to achieve and you know how do they take those steps to achieve it so it's it's not I think in today's day and age it's not as uncommon to see that same thing right where uh, your mom was sort of the boss or the head of the household i think that happens a lot more these days but and in some cultures it, it's just completely like that right there are definitely cultures where the woman is the head of the household and she makes the decisions and sort of she leads the family but i think it's uh, again it comes back down to culture i think it's just a cultural thing and and the values thing yeah um especially in when you get sort of back to more traditional mindsets. I think in modern society, it's very different. And a lot of men and women that grow up today, they don't fit into those same molds of, you know, this is the, uh, this is the male and this is how they're supposed to be. And this is the female and this is how they're supposed to be. Because if, if you think about, you talked about this podcast too, if you think about us doing this podcast and, and talking about, our anxiety and our mental health and our feelings uh, in a traditional sense, uh, none of this is manly. <laughs> like <laughs> this is totally like, you know, if, if we did this 50 years ago um, or if we did this in Armenia or somewhere else uh, or some other, you know, hyper-masculine society, uh, they would totally tell us that we're not being manly and that we're women or sissies or something. Right. Um, so again, I think it's, as time goes by, people are realizing that, like you said, those values don't fall into specific genders. They fall into specific people. And so over time, I think we'll see more and more of um, this sort of rebalancing of, you know, not rebalancing, but redef- redefining of what a man and a woman are. Uh, and I think it'll be less about uh, what values they hold or like you know you know whether they're heroic or strong or whatever and it'll be more about um well i don't know what it'll be about (laughs) i guess we'll see what what comes out of that but i think over time those things will change um and and become less of this hyper masculine or hyper feminine and be more balanced yeah what's interesting is my, you know, I grew up with a very strong, um, very strong mom, like, calm down, like, you know, physically, no. like, was she like lifting <laughs> up, you know, oh, yeah. logs? Yeah, for <laughs> four foot 11, but, just, you know, waking up at 4am every day, chopping and- down trees, bringing it home. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, but it's, what's funny is like, I've watched her my whole life be this like powerful dominant woman. And then she, obviously my parents want me to get married and whatnot. Surprise, surprise. I'm not married. Um, But they, 
Shut up, Matt. <laughs> you didn't even say anything. Oh, but I saw that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't do anything, all right? I just want to go on record that Anna's being toxic right now. Oh, I'm and being toxic? Yes, I said Ooh. nothing. The, the next talk, topic you know we're talking about, by the way, is toxic femininity. Okay, we can talk about that, actually. I did want to kind of segue into that. <laughs> so, sorry, but continue what you were saying. <laughs> well, it's just, it's funny because she will tell me, like, men don't like a dominant woman. You know, like a man needs a woman who's going to need him and depend on him. And I just can't help but like look at her and be like, but you weren't that. And you still got married. And I'm pretty sure like if I really, I don't even know where I'm going with that point. It's just really annoying. Well, do, do you, was she actually not that? I mean, do you know her? <laughs> do you know how she was before she was born? Right or before you were born? Sorry, not before, <laughs> before she was, she was born. born. <laughs> Actually, yes, I watched it from on high. <laughs> no, but right, like maybe, you know, maybe she was someone that had to, you know, be more dependent on your dad, and due to life or circumstance or whatever, she had to take a different role, or maybe she's taken that role and she's realized that hey, you know this is maybe a better way or this is what men look for and she's trying to pass on that knowledge to you. That's an interesting point. I am fortunate to know what my mom was like before I was born because I have siblings who are much, much older than me, like 21 years older than me. So okay. I have I hear stories from them of what our mom was like when they were young and it's like mm -hmm. the same thing throughout. If anything, she's only gotten more like stubborn and loud and strong-headed you know what i mean how about before kids i mean she was 18 so i don't know what she was like <laughs> before kid, before, at that time although right, right. she my um she does love to tell me stories about her and her my aunt would just like constantly get into fights with boys because they'd throw a book bag at them my mom would be like what the hell and just start throwing fists <laughs> That's i get awesome. that from her for sure Matt yeah knows. i mean I, I don't agree with what she was saying either just uh, just to go on record I, I don't think women should be a certain way for in order to get married or for men to like them or whatever i i, I think that you should be who you are and you know there will be a significant other out there that'll you know appreciate it and love you for being that person so it, I, I don't think it's ever about becoming more dependent or you know being someone you're not in order to be able to whatever get in a relationship get married whatever the situation is uh but again i mean sometimes parents have have wisdom to share that's good and sometimes it's not yeah <laughs> i thought I mean, you were just gonna end at the good and i was like what are you trying to say no, no, no. I mean, uh, here's the thing. My my dad has a lot to say, too, uh, and uh, has a lot of wisdom to share. I don't agree with it probably 90% of the time. Um, and I think part of it comes down to what we were talking about earlier about, you know, traditional army and families are hyper-masculine and have a certain way of thinking. And I don't follow that same way of thinking. Uh, and so I disagree with a lot of it. and. You know, in your case, I mean, obviously, it's not a hyper-masculine way of thinking, but obviously, your mom has a way of thinking that you don't agree with, which is totally fine. But 
Um, there is no but. It's just it's totally <laughs> fine. <laughs> yeah, that's that's just how it is, right? We, I think we, when we're young, our parents and our surroundings at the time have a greater influence on us. But as we get older and sort of, uh, especially if you're able to leave that sphere of influence, right? Like I was able, not able, I decided to move away, which is something that, uh, you know, traditionally Armenians don't do. Um, Most of my friends stayed at home and currently still are at home until they get married. Um, But I was able to leave that and I was able to, you know, go to university. I was able to meet people of different cultures, meet different people. Yeah, I was able to meet Matt, but just, you know, meet just all kinds of different people and so my uh experience and my uh i guess my definition of things definitely changed right my definition of masculinity changed from when i was living at home you know surrounded by only traditional armenians to when i you know went off to my for myself at university met other people uh, met other men that, you know, in the traditional sense of the word, weren't manly, right? In the traditional Armenian sense of the word, weren't manly, but they were nonetheless as much of a man that I was or that anyone else I knew was. Um, so I think a lot of it, uh, again, just when you're young, your sphere of influence is just your parents, your family, or like that. It, it's very small. And as you grow older and you gain all these experience, you're able to make uh, those determinations and um, those decisions for yourself for what you think uh, in this case is or is not a man or is or is not toxic or masculine or feminine or whatever it is. I had a similar experience to you in the sense that I moved away. <clears throat> and when I moved away, that's when a lot of my views on certain things changed. But what happens this is why I'm like, are these conversations enough? Because there are so many people who don't leave that sphere of influence, right? And so they maintain their ideas of what masculinity means. And in many cases, it's very toxic. And then they pass that down to their kids, and then their kids don't leave. And these are generations now beyond us, right? What how ha- like how is this how I don't obviously I don't have an answer to this question right. and I obviously don't expect you guys to be able to answer it right here and right now but as a man right how how like aside from now you raising children who don't do this make the same mistakes that the people before you made and maybe the same mistakes that you might have made. How do we get to all those other people and change their ideas of what it means to be masculine? I I think. I, go ahead, Matt. I, I would say overall, you have to <clears throat> have the conversations and like educate people so that when they see their friends exhibiting those behaviors, they tell them, "Hey, that's not cool," or like, "Don't say that," or whatever. Right? Like, we did an episode on like um, like toxicity in the video game community. Where if like a woman is playing games with a bunch of guys, like in the games, the shooter games that we typically play like Valorant and they speak up, there's usually guys like go back to the kitchen or something. I right? just has something completely fucked up. And that's where it's our job to step in and be like, bro, that's not cool. And even if they start saying shit to me, 
no, normally my default response is like go fuck yourself i have a 401k and like a retirement plan like stupid <laughs> ass fucking kid whatever but um normally it's just like yo dude like that's not cool or like when people pick on little kids right like dude this is 13 year old fuck this kid it's like dude he's just trying to have fun like everybody else like leave him alone you know and then that's what causes people not to speak up and not to talk in general in these types of games because they're very toxic and people know like that's the culture of it but in order to change it you have to stand for that change right so it's like you have to be able to have conversations like this to to have people come in and i think overall what, I, what i've been thinking about is like it's very much like attacking the behavior or not not, not even attacking because you say attacking people automatically get defensive right like if you call if you say hey you're being toxic right now like we're joking about it earlier right oh anna's being toxic you're like i'm not being toxic what, what do you mean right because it's a it's something that everybody's gonna be on the back foot when you accuse them of something so they're automatically going to shell up and then kind of be like fuck you get away from me right when what somebody may be saying is like, I didn't like, like when you did that particular action, it made me feel X, Y, and Z in the future. Could you maybe not do that or change whatever, right? Like getting to the root of that particular action and what's causing the issue versus saying like the general scope of like, oh, you're just being toxic and leaving it at that. Because if you don't leave them the blueprint for how to change and the type of behavior that you would like to see or the expectation that you want from that person, they're never going to actually understand what somebody wants to see and if you never get that far because either they recoil into their shell and just go like no you're, you're hurting my feelings get away or if they just get aggressive towards you it's nothing's ever going to happen so i think like you have to start with the conversation that leads into the education which then leads into action right um when you're seeing your friends do things that, that they really shouldn't be doing type of thing but it's that like for me it's just that threshold of like you know, if you're like really into sports, that's I don't consider that toxic at all. Right. But some people might be like, oh, well, like when you're over celebrating and you're winning or something or whatever, maybe like the Olympics, people are like, oh, now they're being toxic. But it's like there's like that fine line. And I think everybody has that threshold the same way that everybody has that threshold for like social anxiety and other types of anxiety. So every person is different. So you have to just find where that is for you. And then people that are within that area and then you can challenge yourself to re get out of your comfort zone and like help somebody grow in a way that maybe they weren't aware of right so like if somebody's sitting at home and we're like yeah like picking fights and doing dumb things like obviously you can see that like a shot's grown from that that was him like i don't know it was what, almost 10 years ago now um right it like, was 10 years ago yeah probably almost exactly yeah. um and you know like he's obviously grown a lot from that situation i've grown a lot but like we can tell those stories and then reflect on them and be like, well, we should have done X, Y, and Z better. Definitely. And something else I'll offer that, that, that was really good, Matt. Ever since we started this podcast, uh, you know, a year and three months ago now, uh, people that have heard it, I've had multiple conversations with them about anxiety, about mental health with men. So I think like, like we were saying, you know, just having the conversation definitely opens up more avenues to uh, to make a change or uh for at least people to rethink things um you know i've talked to people about their anxiety and i've talked to them about sort of stuff we've talked about on this podcast how to manage it why you're having anxiety um you know that it's okay to talk about it and it's it's definitely changed and these are people that you know had never spoken about it before but after, you know, finding out that this podcast exists, listening to it, talking to them about it, they're now opening up about it. So 
like Matt said, I think the first step is definitely talking about it and making it known. Uh, and then from there on, it's about recognizing when, you know, someone is being toxic or showing some tox- toxic masculinity. And you made a great point pointing out exactly what about it it is. Because if you tell someone, yeah, if you tell someone, hey, you know, stop doing that, whatever it is, you just say stop doing that. They're going to go like, what the fuck, fuck off. Like, I'll do whatever the fuck I want. Now, if you say, hey, stop yelling at your girlfriend because, you know, it doesn't make you any more, you know, it's not making you any more manly. And, you know, you're making a fool of yourself because of X, Y, and Z. You know, you start explaining, like, the reasons why, what they're, like, the action they're taking and what effect it's actually having. I think they come to real up. Hopefully, they come to realize that, hey, like the action I'm taking isn't right. I'm doing this. I'm approaching this the wrong way. And maybe you either offer them an alternative or they figure out an alternative on their own. Um, But yeah, I think, again, those two things, sort of the making it known piece and the calling it out piece and being specific are definitely ways to make it change. Now, like you said, there are going to be people who teach their you know, kids the same thing and who teach their kids the same thing and might go on for generations. Unfortunately, I don't think there's anything that you or I or anyone can do about that because, you know, if if they live in a shielded community or their parents shield them or whatever it is or in a shielded culture that doesn't allow for any kind of external influence, then they're always going to be that way, unfortunately. But one day, hopefully... You know, someone will either realize within that community or within that family or whatever that it's wrong or they'll venture out. They'll see like you, you know, left, you know, your home and I left sort of my city, you know, they'll venture out and they'll see that, hey, this, you know, this isn't the only way to do things and it's definitely not the right way. Then maybe they can go back and sort of bring that back into their family or their culture. And that can be the. Uh, you know, that's the spark that ignites the change. Yeah, that's, uh, I really love what you said, Matt, about the direct feedback. Because I'm thinking about it, I'm a teacher, so thinking about it from my perspective, right? If I tell my students, like, oh, don't do that. They don't know why they shouldn't do that particular thing. They need to know why they shouldn't do that. If they understand why they shouldn't be sticking a paperclip into an outlet, That's... which has happened. <laughs> Some kids have to learn the hard way. That's okay. But if you don't explain to them that you're going to get shocked and your fingers are going to get burnt, if you do that, they're not going to understand why and they're going to want to do it even more than to spite you, you know? So that was just, that's a really interesting thing that I didn't consider because I feel like so often when we see things like, toxicity right in any form not just toxic masculinity but toxic positivity toxic femininity toxic anything we're so quick to be like that's bad and that's it no explanation as to why nothing no no learning no opportunity for learning so i think that remembering that call it out but also be specific and give your reasoning like I feel like that just solved the problem right there. 
I, I agree. And if more people did that, again, I think we would have much less toxicity of, of any kind. Um, Glad I could change the world, everybody. <laughs> Maybe um, you should run job, for president. Well, well, you know, I, I think you got my it, vote. All right, cool. I, I mean, I was president of our fraternity, so I mean, <laughs> you, mm. you, you, may, you may have voted. Actually, no, it was before you were there, so you didn't vote for me. I'm taking my I, vote know. back. We'll never know. Um, <laughs> is, is, is it too masculine? I mean, we we're both president. He was president the year after. Oh, dear God. I can't vote for either one of you. I mean, clearly. Why? You haven't wait, seen, just... wait, why? Clearly, you haven't seen episodes. I don't I don't know of our podcast, like one to 15, where we talked about this experience. Like, she, she's oh. only listened to the one. She listened to one and she was like, oh, hey, I don't agree with something they did. I'm just going to hop on here and talk to them about right. it. Which I mean, Actually, like, you should do. True. You should do, right? If you see something, you should say something like that's something that a lot of people preach, but you actually put it into action, which is great. But um, I think overall, like the thing that I hate is I hate when people divide it up in one way or another, right? And like, that's why you're like toxic in general, right? like toxic positivity, or masculinity, femininity, toxic negativity, whatever. When it reaches that threshold and you get that critical mass and you're making somebody else feel like shit, stop being a fucking asshole. Like what people need to realize, this is funny because I was actually talking to you about this the other day, is like, I don't consider anything like left versus right. I think I mentioned it here before. But it's like left versus right, you versus me. It's literally like up versus down. Like, do you push people down and make them feel like shit or do you lift them up? And like, that's how I divide people in my head is like, who's helping me grow and become a better person? And who's the person that's just always being negative or always being an asshole or being super toxic in one way or another? And Matt, let me let me throw this scenario out there for you. Yeah, yeah. All right. What if you're going on a treasure hunt, right? Okay. And and, and there's a booby trap and and a blade comes straight at your head and I have to push you down (laughs) so that you can avoid it. Okay. Am I being toxic in that situation? Because you just said there's only up and down. And if I'm pushing you down, I, I you know, I don't, I don't want to do that. Do you want me to continue lifting you up and get your body cut up? Or what's the what's the situation here? Um, well, first of all, you could lift me to the ceiling and avoid the blade. Okay, first of all, you just... How would you, I do that? Kill, are you not strong enough? I'm sorry, you're not a man enough? My bad, bro. Like, um, no. Toxic! But- I mean, that thank was you. the point. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you for... Every, hey, that's the joke, everybody. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. You know what I'm going to do? I'm, I'm going I'm to take a sample of, of that of that little piece of you saying toxic, and we're going to use it from now on on this episode. Anytime Matt's being toxic, I'm just going to put it in. Toxic! I, I was going to make that your, uh, your ringtone when you text me. Toxic! 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 <laughs> Uh, oh, y'all are being it was, it was, hella toxic right now. Oh, with the hella. <laughs> All, right. Um, All right. I'm going to no, use this on, one hold instead. On, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm, um, I'm not done. What, what I would say is on that philosophical level of people who raise you up and put you down, uh, by you creating this situation in which you think you're going to put me down and make me look like an idiot or embarrass me in front of all of our millions and billions and trillions of followers and listeners. You don't have that many followers. You're putting me <laughs> down and you are a bad person my friend why don't you make me feel this way um i mean i i think that's that, that's a fun little thought experiment but yeah if you can't lift me to the to the ceiling then that's that's a you problem bro and it's a me problem too because my head gets chopped off so I, I guess i guess i'll be dead and i won't have to think about it anymore and i will be okay with that or i can just save you by pushing you down for two seconds let the blade pass I, I guess all I'm trying to say is that I don't think the simple it's it's nothing is as black as white as, you know, push people down or pull people, you know, lift them up. I think there's always that gray area of, you know, I mean, yeah, I didn't mean literally like lift them up or push them down. I mean, you know, 
extrapolating further to it, it's like there are going to be people in your life that create growth. And sometimes that growth can be from a stressor, right? And then there's going to be people in your life that are just negative and you may need to cut them out in order to achieve growth. And ultimately what happens is when we say it's you versus me or whatever, right? That's like a toxic mindset because at the end of the day, it's like, how do you wish somebody was treating you, right? Like when you're a dick to the kid in class, like why? Do you want somebody else to be a dick to you? And a lot of times it is because somebody was a dick to you, right? Like the phrase like hurt people hurt people because that's what happens. Like the bullies at school are probably the ones who are getting bullied at home. And it's, it's that, it's that continuation and that cultural bullying and stuff that's in some of these family systems where they just take it out on somebody else. Right. And it's really how you react and respond to it. Not necessarily when you're a kid, because you don't know any better, but when you're an adult and you could actually sit back and reflect on your actions and say, I wish I did this differently. I want to change this or whatever. And I think at the end of the day, going back to like the, how you change the world part overall, it's like, you can only control yourself. But if you can control yourself and then bring that message to your friends, to your family, to that small group, and then that small group does the same, right? Your friends and family go to their friends and family and so on and so forth. Like that's how you create real organic change in the world versus just like these blanket statements. Where like, oh, stop being toxic. Stop being this. Stop being this. Like, Because then all people do is they go, you're attacking something that you don't like about me, but not giving me the reason why. And go, going back to that. I think, like you were saying, the example with the kids, right? There's always going to be kids that even if you t- explain why they shouldn't put a paper clip inside the socket, um, they're still going to go and do it because they have to learn from experience. And I'm, uh, I was very much that kid back then where I would go and do things. Like if someone told me that, you know, the pot is hot, don't touch it. I would go and touch it because I had to do it for myself. Like I had to experiment and find out on my own. Um and then the next time I obviously wouldn't do it. I think now, you know, I've, I've grown. So now I listen to people and realize that you shouldn't do some things. And there's still some things that I'll go and experiment on my own because at the end of the day, I think, uh, you know, people can be wrong in certain circumstances. But but going back to sort of how that um, how that can be used for change. Like you said, explaining it to some people, there, there's going to be people out there that don't understand. And, you know, if you see something wrong out there, right, if you see, going back to that example, if you see maybe a guy that's trying to physically harm, you know, a female or a female trying to physically harm a guy or whatever, someone trying to physically harm someone else that's smaller than them or weaker than them, and you explain to them why it's wrong and they continue, I I think you just have to step in because, you know, I mean, Matt was joking about it earlier, right? And he was saying, I'm a big guy, so I can get in front of people. But I mean, it's it's true, right? If, if someone was doing some, right, if someone was hurting someone, and Matt or someone else tried to explain to them that, hey, that's wrong, and they kept doing it, I think he should totally step in, beat their ass or whatever, maybe not beat them, but at least stop them. And that'll serve, I I know, but that'll serve as a lesson to that person that like, you know, this is wrong to do. And uh, whatever, Matt's, yeah, Matt's saying I'm being toxic or whatever. I don't think that's being toxic at all. I think that's standing up for the little guy. And I mean, I'm not just going to stand there. If someone is getting hurt, right? If someone is bullying someone or someone's getting hurt, I'm not just going to stand by and say, oh, you know, what you're doing is wrong because you bullying this person is wrong for X, Y, and Z reasons, and they keep doing it. Like, no, I'll explain to them. But if they keep going, I'm I'm gonna jump in there and I'm gonna do something. 
and you can call it toxic, call it whatever you want. But at the end of the day, person getting hurt isn't getting hurt anymore. And so, you know, I guess it goes back all the way back to what we were talking about at first, which is values. One of my values is that, you know, I want to make sure that people don't get hurt. So in order to stop that, I will step in and, you know, do what I can to stop it, whether that's physical or whether it's verbal. Um, to me, it doesn't matter. Well, I'll start with the verbal. I guess it doesn't matter. <laughs> but if that doesn't work, then I'll, you know, then I'll step in in, in a more physical way. Maybe, maybe you give me a smile. I know she, she's, like, she's like, this is exactly why I'm on here, guys. We're talking about this. But I mean, it doesn't even have to be that. I mean, uh, imagine if you saw someone. Um, uh, what's a good example? Imagine if uh, you're a teacher, you were at school and one of the parents comes and just is hitting their, ch- their child. What would you do? Well, I have to report them. All right. Well, let's say you report them and they do it again. Legally, this is not a good example because I can't right. do anything. Okay. I'm sorry. I, as, that that as is a very bad that, example. That's something right. that you're, you're off the clock. Really you're basis. off the clock. <laughs> no, 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 no. We can't use that as a good example. She's she's totally right. <laughs> no, but uh, I, okay. I understand what, what you're. I I get what you're saying because I'm thinking about myself, right? And when it, in terms of like when someone's attacking someone who I love. Right, verbally, not necessarily right. physically. I I don't handle things like that very well because my immediate reaction is to get mad. Right? I'm immediately angry because I'm like, who the fuck do you think you are talking to this person that I adore and love and they didn't do anything wrong? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I hate you. I I almost turn into like a Matt I know I was gonna say I feel like I turned into like a toxic man because I well, why my, is it be a man there's you just for, turn toxic for for everyone at home who can't see our video I'm just holding up a little a little tea with my fingers when they're being toxic so I'm, rude. I'm, I'm officially the scorekeeper for tonight because I'm clearly the most well-adjusted adult here so that's not toxic at all you to say. yeah that's the joke. Both, that's both, of them joke. Eyes. both of them literally rolled their eyes at the same time. Yeah, it was a good. fucking perfect moment. And I need to I need to put it into a gift form. That's funny. But no, I mean, again, why do you? So I guess let's let's turn the, the question on you now. Why do you think that that's being? Why do you think that that's toxic masculinity? What, what you just explained, losing control, uh, getting mad about someone doing something. Because if you ask me. And I'm going to be very sexist right now, and I'm going to preface that. Okay. Anytime I've seen that happen, right, where someone loses control and loses their temper, in most cases, it's been a woman that I've seen. When they see their kid or their dog or something happening, they will and, – and I understand, right? They, they love that person. They love that animal or they love whoever it is, and they don't care. Like, all they see is red, and they just go at it. So – why do you say it's toxic masculinity when I think it's just toxicity in general? So you do have a good point in that, the, the, yes, women also have violent streaks, right? This is not, it's not gendered. Anger is not gendered. But I think uh, an important point to be made, the example that you just brought up, right, where you've seen women get angry, it's like in defense of something or someone, right? 
I've seen men punch holes in walls over literally nothing. You're right. No. Right? Like even yeah. even thinking about I mean, I'm thinking like most recently Olympics just happened, right? Simone Biles, bless her fucking heart, stepped out because she needed to take care of her mental health. And the one tennis player whose name I could give two shits about, but it came it like kept popping up. He was like talking, he made a statement about how essentially saying that it was weak of her to remove herself, right? And that, you know, it takes so much like you have to be so strong and you have to have self-restraint and blah, blah, blah. And then he lost his tournament and smashed his fucking racket, racket stick, whatever the hell you call it. And like stormed off all angry and upset. Like you just blew the fuck up because you lost. And that's okay. Like that's not toxic. That's the type of shit that I feel like we see constantly from men. Have you seen like, and I'm going to say this, I'm probably going to regret saying this, but like when's the last time you saw a woman blow up like that for no reason? (laughs) Ah, there's there's plenty of videos online of of men and women blowing up for no reason. So give me an example. Again, so so hold on, hold on. But before we get too deep in the weeds of men versus women, you versus us, this whole conversation about to have, right? We have to remember that you're seeing things from your perspective. So when you're seeing things as a man, and you're maybe looking at more women, right? Let's just say, and you're see, you're as a woman looking at more men, you're more likely to notice those situations because those are the situations that are alarming to you right, that present danger to you that you're maybe used to in your situations, your relationships, your upbringing, whatever. So that's probably why because it may happen the same exact time, but our perspectives will shift. So it's not overall, right, the goal is not like you versus me or whatever. It's like, how do we address that toxicity that people see overall, right? It's not good that somebody does one thing or somebody does another thing. And it, it I always see this on Instagram. It's like, literally, everybody's like, well, this guy's an asshole. It's like, yeah, he's an asshole. Like, if you're being a hypocrite, you're, you're a hypocrite and you're an asshole, right? And, like, somebody's like, well, th- this this woman's an asshole. It's like, yeah, both people can be assholes. Like, both people can be wrong for, for different reasons, right? But it's so easy to be like, no, it's going to be this. Because I see both of you. You're just, like, in fucking oh, no, attack mode right now. You're no, like, I don't, I, I don't think it is. Who's coming in here. <laughs> no, and, I mean, I, I agree with you with, the, the you know, the whole story about Simone Biles and the guy. I, I, I think what it is, in both ca- in any case, right, I think it's just mismanaged anger. I think people don't realize, in general, I think men, when they get angry, they get physical, right? And in that physical sense, right, hopefully they have enough control over themselves of instead of hurting a person, they punch a wall or they break a racket or something else. Now, is it right? Definitely not. I think it's completely wrong. And again, it's it's mismanaged anger. Um, They need to have better control of their mental health. They need to realize what's making them angry, why it's making them angry, and find a better outlet for it. But in the same sense, when women get angry and they start yelling and they start doing this and that, it's the same thing. It's just mismanaged anger. I think in in that same way, they need to realize what's making them mad, why are they getting mad, and find a different outlet for it too. Uh, We've talked a lot about sort of stoicism and stoic principles and philosophies on this podcast and you know uh i've been sort of studying stoicism for a long time i think matt has uh as well 
And one of the things within Stoicism, even though a lot of people sort of uh, misunderstand the whole philosophy, um, is that it's not about not feeling anything, right? It's about having control over your feelings so that in those situations, your first instinct isn't, I'm just going to get mad and break my racket, or I'm just going to get mad and start yelling at someone. Your first instinct is, hey, let me take a second and think about this and think this through and figure out why, you know, why is this thing making me mad? What is, you know, the right way to approach this? You know, what steps should I take? And and going down that line of, uh, of sort of like critical thinking, right, of these steps. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. Men do tend to get more physical when they're angry. I don't disagree with that. But in the same sense, women do tend to get more loud and more, uh, yeah, I think it's just loud. That's the only word I can use uh, when when they get angry. That's and fair. I think both of them are are just. Uh, I don't say how they've grown up, but it's just how they are. I mean, I'm sure there's women out there who get mad and break stuff and get physical too, and I'm sure there's men out there who get mad and you know start getting loud and start cursing and doing this and that. Um, again, I think they're just. It's mismanaged anger, and they're they're using the wrong outlet for it. I think it, you definitely have a point with the mismanaged anger, and I would also I take it even further and say that it's not just mismanaged anger. I think it's like it's just it could also be like a flood of feelings and emotions that the person doesn't know how to identify, and so it just explodes in this show of anger but it could also just be it could be sadness you know it could be a million other things happening in that moment all coming together at once like this is something that I personally experience where I get so flooded with emotions and feelings I don't know how to identify what it is I'm feeling so then I'm just like anxious and not okay so and it's not easy right? Especially if you, yes, I grew up with a strong mom, but that doesn't mean that we talked about our feelings. You know what I mean? And I'm sure a shot that you can relate, that's not a very common conversation that's had, you know, well, how are you feeling right now? Oh, definitely not. Yeah, I definitely did not grow up learning how to identify my emotions and my feelings. So now as an adult, I really struggle with that and go to therapy for it. And not easy and it doesn't feel like I'm getting any better but I I know I am and I it's it helps to like write stuff down but it's I think to take it even a step further is we have to start by teaching people how to identify their feelings then and how to understand like what does it mean when you're feeling this way because if you can identify what you're feeling then you can get down to the bottom of why you're feeling that way you can't understand why you're upset if you don't realize that you're upset because then it's always going to be this like misguided whatever feeling you know that could present itself in a very toxic way no you're totally right and going back to what you said about sort of having all these feelings and then it blowing up uh, i mean i've never had i'm lucky that i've never had sort of any of those violent tendencies right of like smashing things or breaking things um but i think for a long time i it was the same where i didn't know how I was feeling about certain things or I would bottle it up. Um, And especially when I first started 
you know, dating my now wife, you know, when I would just like bottle things up and I wouldn't talk about it, like if something was bothering me and then eventually something small would happen, right? It's like, uh, what is it? Like the stick that broke the camel's back, right? Like it would, it would be like the last thing. And then I would just blow up about something. And she was like, what, what the hell? Like, it's not a big deal. But then I would like start bringing up like all of this stuff that like had just been building like over time. And it one, it was very bad for our relationship. Two, it was very bad for my mental health and me as a person because bottling things up, like you said, you're only you're eventually going to get to a limit. There's going if you have the cap on and you're building up all this pressure, eventually there's going to be so much pressure that that cap is going to blow right off, or the whole bottle is just going to burst. Um, so it, I mean, I was lucky enough that you know. Andrea was able to sort of teach me that through our relationship and now I'm better able to identify things that happen like talk about them and like how I'm feeling about something or something happens and never gets to that point anymore and it's helped in other parts of obviously my life and other relationships I have too um so I think I mean I think you hit it straight on when you said it, it, it that's what it's about it's about identifying what it is and and actually talking about it right it you know if you just identify it but you but you let it sit there and let it continue bothering you. Again, you're just you're bottling that up, and eventually it's going to come out one way or another. Uh, and in most cases, like you said, when people get that way, right? When a guy, you know, punches a hole in the wall, or someone punches a hole in the wall, guy or girl, or someone starts blowing up about something, getting mad and yelling, it's because they have all these other things going on that are just coming out in that one moment. Um, I feel like we've and, come full circle to what Matt was saying in the beginning too. Oh yeah. God, I should not have said that. <laughs> you shouldn't have. You're just feeding Damn his it. ego at this point. You're, you're spoon feeding him like full of ego. Damn it. It's all right. You um, are not God's gift. Calm down. <laughs> hey, that's that's what my name means. That's what Matthew means. God's gift. Oh, please. I'm, I'm here to preach, everybody. God, your parents sure knew what they were doing when they named you. Does your mom listen to this podcast? Uh, sometimes, yeah, she was I hope on she it. She doesn't listen to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I mean, she she knows who I am. I mean, uh, I don't know. Uh, I I think that I, I don't know. You just have to be authentic, you know. Is that I'm, you I'm... trying to be humble? No, no. I mean, obviously, I was joking about the other stuff, but I think overall, it's like he's like, yeah, I'm God's gift. I'm trying to be authentic, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's just who I am. I, I mean, you know, you, you want it's it's always the difference between it's like a much different topic, but like between accepting any kind of praise, which is sometimes hard to do, like as a guy, I'm sure women is the same thing, um, and then like not going overcompensating for it, like in the ego category of like being more toxic really like, yeah i'm just like the greatest thing since sliced bread uh so it's like finding that fine line between it and i sometimes struggle with that because you know i'm here for a comedic relief i'm really glad you acknowledge that you have a difficult time finding that line oh yeah it's one or the other i'm either the most humble person in the world or i'm like too confident for my own good that's um, funny do you know what humble means <laughs> yes uh, Matt, Matt can be humble. I'm just kidding. No, I, <laughs> I, I I get humbled every week in therapy. Good. No, we used. To, I think both Matt and I, I think during college, we used to both be very, like you said, we thought we were the shit and very not humble. 
Yeah, I think you were mad. Don't, don't even give me that face. But <laughs> what I, face? I, I think, what face? I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, need, no, again, I, need, I, I need to turn my camera off. <laughs> I, I think it comes, like you said, back to experience and learning and talking about it, right? Uh, and, and knowing, you know, if, if we don't talk about it, then you'll never know that that's what the problem is. Hopefully someone listening in that it has had that happen to them, right? That that has yelled or punched the wall or done something realizes that, hey, maybe this is the wrong outlet for for this and maybe they change it um, or maybe they go to therapy or maybe they talk about it or figure out what what is really causing uh, this action uh, and get to the bottom of it so that they can find a better way of managing it. Yeah. I mean, real quick on being humble, though, it reminded me of jujitsu, you know, because you go in and you just lose every single day and then eventually you win a little bit. And like speaking to like males and their egos and toxicity and stuff, right? Like when I've seen guys that go in and they're like big guys and they lose to women that are half their size and they get submitted and then they never come back because they can't fathom that like somebody half their size or that a woman beat them or whatever, right? Because they're just like in that kind of fragile place. And I think that's where like the conversations about it need to happen because then it can help people be like, you're not broken because you're angry. You just need to fix that root cause. You know, like going back to what we said, like, why do you feel that way? Like, how were you raised as, as a kid to have these beliefs as an adult? And how can you now think about them that you have the um, maybe you're you know, 26 or 25, whatever it is, where your brain's fully developed. You can think about your actions now and be, uh, you know, reflect on what you did, which um which is great. But yeah, I mean, I, I would get humbled every freaking day and that people half my size would dominate me all the time. And uh, I mean, I still kept going up until COVID because it's just nice to be, I don't know, it's nice to be a beginner. and Nice to be dominated. Is, is that what you're saying, Matt? I knew it. <laughs> um, yeah. Hey, wait, 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 wait. First of all, what's wrong with that? Why are you guys saying? Not, nothing at all. Nothing. I'm just, I, I, was, I asked the question. Yeah. We're just curious. And, and she said she knew it because she, she knew you'd like to be dominated. There's yeah. nothing wrong with it. She yeah. just knew. To each their own. Exactly. I feel like at a specific point, I, I pitted each of you against each other. I'm just kidding. I didn't actually do it, but you know <laughs> what I mean? And now you're like attacking me. He, he, so he thinks he's the puppet master. He was like, oh, yeah, let me put them against each other. I y'all, just rolled y'all. so my eyes so hard. I saw my brain. That's impressive. I know. You should probably get that checked out, though. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> sidebar or to to bring us back really quick. I don't know if you guys have done an episode on this yet because you have so many episodes and I definitely have not listened to them all yet. Um, but you have 107 is... episodes to catch up on. So, you know, this is the 108. Oh, so, yeah. Inst- instead of having like a long weekend, I'm not listening to several weekends. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like ta- having an episode dedicated to anger and talking about what is the root of that and like figuring out how to do that and how you've done that that could be a really interesting episode basically what i'm saying is have me back for that episode (laughs) oh definitely just kidding no 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 we we'd love to have you back and we can talk get a little bit more into anger i mean i think we got into a little bit into it a little today already right uh but i think a a deep dive would would be pretty interesting as well definitely we need to treat it like an episode of uh or what's that movie um inside the pixar movie inside fuck up the name yeah it's inside me isn't it or inside no no, it's just inside something else uh 
Wait, maybe it's, it's inside, inside out. No. Uh, no. Inside out. Yeah, right. it's definitely towards. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, it reminds me like that. We're like, we need to do like a deep dive on each of the profiles. <laughs> like it's like anger, <laughs> fear, love, joy, Happiness. like all those like yeah. little little people in there. Yeah. So I, I I know we've talked a lot about toxicity and uh, and all this, uh, but I want to. I mean, I, I know you approach this a little bit, Anna, about sort of your experience with anxiety. Um, I guess what's let's get a little bit more into that. What's what has your experience been like, and has listening to this podcast at all? done you know has it helped you do, do you think these conversations obviously you're on the podcast so you see some sort of benefit to uh these conversations but do you think these conversations have helped you and i i know it's titled the anxiety podcast and but we've mentioned multiple times it's not only about men i mean we're two men and we're talking about our experiences but i think it's very beneficial for our listeners especially those that are women to get um uh, uh, the experiences of you know, another woman and how they may differ? Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> so I've been going to therapy since November 2019. Um, I stopped for a couple months because COVID and nothing was really happening. Um, should have used that time to keep working on myself, but I did it, but it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So and I mean, it's not only about therapy, sort of, you know, what, and if you're not comfortable talking about it, that's totally fine too, right? I don't want to put you on the spot. No, uh, I think it's just more of like, you know, what, you know, how has anxiety manifested in, in your life? Well, that's uh, the thing. Or like when and how. Yeah. Right. I didn't realize that I even had anxiety, like I feel like anxiety has become such a buzzword. You hear it so often. And I feel like I would hear it all the time and I'd be like, I don't have that. I'm not. No, I don't have that at all. But it wasn't until I was moving in with my ex-boyfriend and it's such a stupid situation. Um, he had a, a smaller closet than I had. And I was like, oh, my, my clothes isn't going to fit. We need to figure this out. And he's like, it's fine. Well, I'll, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and it's going to fit. But um, the way that I get, or the way that my anxiety presents itself, it's almost like OCD, where I I can't move on to this the next thing until this thing is done, because I'm going to obsessively think about this and just freak out about it until I can put it to rest. But I can't put it to rest until it's done, done, you know? So we're sitting, it's like a Saturday morning and I'm like, but how is it? Sorry, there's a helicopter flying by. I don't know if you can hear it. We can't. Okay. Um, I'm like, how's the clothes going to fit? And he's like, I got it. Don't worry about it. I'm going to take care of it. But I was like, I can't visualize this thing that you're explaining. We need to go do this right now. And he's like, are you serious? And I just was like, I'm going to full blown have a mental breakdown right now unless we go to Home Depot or whatever store it is, get all these parts that you're saying we need and do this thing. So then we finally go and I was very grateful that he was really patient with me. But on the drive back, I'm already calming down, right? Because now I can see the parts and I can I have a better visual of how it's all going to play out. So I'm starting to calm down and he 
had mentioned it before and he's like, I think you might have OCD. And I was like, you're, you're fucking crazy. No, I do not. But that was in May. And then <laughs> May of 2019. And then it just like progressively kept getting worse and worse. But it was things that I didn't realize were anxiety, right? Until I went to therapy. And the re- I went, I waited until it got really bad. So it got to the point where I would come home from work. Nothing is wrong, right? I feel fine, but I'm crying. And I feel like a hot mess. And I just didn't understand what was going on. It goes back to that. I didn't know how to identify my feelings, right? So I would be feeling many different things at one time because I'm overwhelmed and I have anxiety and I, I'm in graduate school and I'm working full time and you know, this big life change just happened. I just moved in with my boyfriend. So I was really freaking out. So I finally, my one of my roommates so kindly, Annika, actually was like, hey, you should go see a therapist. And she was really patient with me. She brought it up multiple times. And then she helped me by setting a deadline. She's like, I'm going to check in with you in two weeks. Just make the call, you know, or here's the number. Just open the website and see if you can even get yourself to make that call. So she checked in with me two weeks later and I had called and I made an appointment. So it was very helpful to have people who were very patient with me. Um, And then I went to therapy and this is why I bring up therapy because I I went to therapy and I was like, what the hell am I even going to talk about? Like nothing's wrong. You know what I mean? And then I walked through the door. I sat down on the couch and she asked, so what brings you in? And I just started crying. I couldn't even verbalize why I was there, but I could feel that I had so much I needed to unpack that I just cried for the first like 10 minutes. I couldn't even say anything. But so I don't have OCD. Thank goodness. But there's nothing wrong with that if you do. Um, Just for me, I'm very grateful that I don't because I already have enough shit going on in my brain. (laughs) But I definitely um, have some OCD tendencies, but they only get really bad when my anxiety is unchecked. And the reason that it was such a double edged sword starting therapy, because finding out that all these things that I did, that I thought were bringing me joy, right, these little things that I would do that I'd get such a little like rush from, um, were actually my attempt at controlling my life, right? I can't control my job. I'm a temporary teacher, so I get let go every year, and it's a big hot mess. Um, I can't control my friends' lives. You know what I mean? Like when they have drama going on, I can't control that. I can contribute to it, sure, and I can try to help (laughs) them, but um, I can't control that. I understand now that I went from living in my own space to living to a shared space. I mean, I shared – I roomed with Brittany – but it was just the two of us. And I went from two people to a lot more people. And so I didn't have any control over my immediate or my whole environment. And so there were all these ways that I didn't have control of my life. And so my anxiety was essentially tricking me into thinking like, oh, if I move the pencil a centimeter, and it's at a perfect right angle with this thing and that, I have control over something. Right. Right. And it was really hard to learn that that's something that's going to make it worse 
like by doing that, I'm only making it worse for myself. Because I mean, it, it gave me such a good feeling to do stuff like that, to then not be able to do it because it's bad. Or like, I have a thing with numbers, everything I used to meal prep and count out my chicken pieces that would go into each container It had to be an even number of chicken. And it had to be it had each one had to have the same exact number. And it would preferably be an even number. So if there's it was like all these little things. And I didn't know that that was just anxiety trying to control me in that way. So now it sucks because I still have this thing with numbers, right? I hate odd numbers, just makes my skin crawl. But it doesn't bring me the same satisfaction as it did before to have even numbers of things because I understand that that's not contributing to a positive thing. Yes, Matthew, right. I see you have your hand up. Oh, you're you're in teacher <laughs> oh, that's mode. Pretty Thank cool. you. Um, I, I I was gonna say, uh, is that why you haven't listened to all of our episodes because you skipped all the odd ones? <laughs> so you're listening to every other one and getting like half the story. Is that what's going that's on? Funny. I mean, if you want, exactly. we can delay it and make sure it's released on an even, just for you. You know, I appreciate that, but that doesn't help my anxiety, Matthew. True. That just now you're really it, in teacher now mode. Now you're you're just feeding my anxiety, and it's not gonna do me any good. But yeah. So you know, no. F- first of all, I want to say thank you. I mean, th- at first, I know you you didn't know what to say, but uh, th- that was a lot, and I think that was, you know, sharing that experience. I think one, uh, it's going to help a lot of people um, who maybe have or are going through something similar or have gone through something similar. Uh, but two, you know, it's. Like you said, right, like you went through that and you're you're, now you're taking steps and you're able to you've identified what to do to to take steps to make your anxiety better and to manage it. And I think that's the important part. Uh, You know, both Matt and I, uh, I mean, our anxiety stories are very similar. And I think a lot of people's uh, stories are very similar as well, where one, they don't go to seek help until it gets too much, right, until they hit they reach this breaking point. Which sucks because there's so much help out there and there's so much you can do early on when you first realize that, you know, there might be something going on. Uh, or even if you don't have anything going on, just just going and gaining better control of your mental health so that nothing happens, so that, you know, you don't allow anything to manifest. Uh, and two, going to see a therapist, you know, when when I first went to see my therapist, one and we've we've kind of approached this top before it's like uh, for men seeing a therapist sort of a big no-no right just in modern society two being armenian being in like a traditional culture seeing a therapist very big no-no again uh even in modern society still you know pretty big no-no so just the fact that you know both of those things were like in the back of your of my mind at the time took me a very long time to see one uh, but I also, you know, I like to research, I like to find out who I'm going to see, make sure that, um, you know, I like to know who they are. So it took me a while to like find the right one. But, and then when, uh, when I told Matt about it and we had talked about anxiety, it took him a long time to actually go and see the, you know, the therapist too. And sort of similar to you, right? Like I would tell him and I would remind him all the time, maybe weekly of like monthly for sure. And then maybe weekly after that, 
and I think he can talk a little bit more about that when it gets to him. But, um, you know, again, I think these stories are just so similar. And, you know, I, I hope that people listening can can take action before it gets to that point, right? Before they reach that breaking point, because there, there, there is something out there to help, right? There are ways to help manage your anxiety. And, and we've all been through it, the three of us here and, and everyone else we talked to on this podcast, plus, you know, millions of people that are listening or just out there in the world. And all you have to do is just take that step and it can be hard and can be scary and it's the unknown, but, I think once you do it, you'll you'll be on, um, you know, the path to better mental health, and uh, you know, to hopefully, um, you know, a, a less stressful and uh, you know, better relationships in life. I appreciate this podcast for just addressing mental health and talking about so openly about going to therapy, because I feel like there's a really big misconception of what that means just in general, like what, what happens when you go to therapy and what happens when you sit in that chair and between you and this person, right? Because people don't go, they don't understand that what's happening there. It's for your benefit. And the therapist is never going to do anything to like hurt you or harm you or you know, wrong you in any way. I feel like the biggest benefit of therapy, even if you don't have like really bad anxiety or you're like, there's nothing wrong with me, I'm fine. I feel like going to someone who objectively doesn't know anything about anyone in your life and only learns about you from you, right? They they weren't there when you grow up. They didn't live with you in college. They don't know any of your friends. They are objective. They're listening to your life stories through your lens and they're getting to know you possibly better than anyone else knows you because you you get really comfortable on that couch. You know what I mean? And they're able to give you not necessarily advice, but because my God, I, I asked my therapist so many times, what should I do? She's like, I can't tell you what to do. You have to decide for yourself. But they can give you the tools that you need to make those decisions, right? Like I can't, journaling was such a minor thing that she gave me to do, but that's been the biggest help in any decision that I've had to make, right? Just sitting down and writing it out and processing my own thoughts in that way, right? So she doesn't make the decisions for me, but in essence, she kind of did by giving me that tool, you know, by literally giving me a chart with different emotions. And when I'm overwhelmed, I'm supposed to look at it and say, what am I feeling right now? Oh, I'm feeling this. What happened right before I started feeling this? Oh, somebody said this, that triggered me. Why did that trigger me? Right? Like, I never knew that how to do that, first of all, the importance of it, or anything, right? And now that do I do it all the time? No. Should I be doing it all the time? Absolutely. But, you know, hindsight, whatever. I just, I appreciate that there's a a platform where there are two men who are so open about it because there's lots of podcasts about girls talking about therapy, you know, and other female identifying people, but not a lot of male identifying people. And I appreciate it. 
No, thank you. Thank you. We appreciate you for saying that. And I think uh, what I've always said about therapy, uh, sort of going back to that, is they never give you the answers, but they ask the right questions. Yep. Because that, I mean, my experience with it was the same, right? What do I do? I don't know. You have to figure it out on yourself. But, you know, they they were able to to ask me questions that got me thinking about what to do, ask the right questions that got me thinking about what to do and how to do it. And like you said, they gave those tools that allowed me to make those decisions or to get to those, um, uh, to you know, to get to those decisions. Yeah, definitely. Matt, you, you shook your head a lot. It looked like you had something to say for a long time. I think at first when I was talking about therapy and then about this too. I mean, I, th- I think you meant I shook it positively, not negatively. I wasn't. Yeah, sorry. He was, yeah, was he was nodding. I was like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, when we talk about our origin stories, like we're fucking Batman, right? <laughs> like, oh, I'm Batman. I have anxiety. Um, that does not sound one, like Batman. All right, well, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll, I'll apply a filter over it in the in the post-production just for you. I'm Batman. Mm. No. Rough. Still didn't do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, what do you? Okay. Well, you do your Batman. Go. I don't have a Batman voice. Oh, everybody's got a Batman voice. Let's hear it, Anna. Come on. No, hold on. I'm thinking. Come back to me. Say say what you're gonna say, and I'm gonna work <laughs> on it in my head, and then I'll say a Batman. Voice. I was gonna say something super cheesy, like everybody's voice is Batman, because we all can make a change in the world. So doesn't matter. I wish what everybody could see my face right now. <laughs> Also, also, if if you would have been like, I am Batman and tried to go deeper, I would have been like, that's being toxic because now you're assuming Batman has to be a man. So it's bad. I mean, it's kind of in the name. (laughs) I mean, you you didn't say do your best Batwoman voice. You said Batman, man. That's always fucked up. There's no Batwoman. There's a yes, there is. There's Batgirl. She was never a woman. Wonder Woman broke the gender norms for everybody. All right. She has woman in her fucking title. Right, bro. You need to calm down. Um, whatever. I mean, I'm, I'm just kidding. But uh, what, what I was going to say is that, um, you know, going back to the whole like origin story stuff is like, what what's great about what you said, Anna, is that, you know, our shared friend Annika gave you a deadline. Because for me, there was no deadline. So there was no like, I mean, a shot kept bugging me, right? Not bugging, you know, he, he kept promoting my growth is how, is how I say it, right? You know, in a good way. He's like, hey, it's helping me. You should go. And I think it took me like nine I, months. I kept bugging him. <laughs> yeah, but it, it took it took me like I was months. like that. I was like an annoying fly. I would just, you know, keep coming in, you know, landing on him. He'd have to like shoo me away and I'd just come back. Yeah, that's exactly our relationship. Thank you for describing that. Um, Beautiful. But, you know, it, it took me like, I think nine months. And um, the thing overall is that like, it's hard to do. Because you have to admit to yourself that it's it's not that you're broken, that there's a problem, anything like that. You just have to admit that you need help. And, you know, the, the toxic masculinity side of it, like not asking for help, that's something that guys tend tend to fall back on. I'll just do, do it my own. Doesn't matter. I'll suck it up and handle it, whatever comes my way, because they don't want to ask for help because asking for help is perceived as weakness. When in reality, asking for help is is very brave. That's why when people at work ask me things like, Oh, I have a dumb question. I was like, no, 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 no question is dumb because one, you're asking for help. Um, which, which, which is tough to do for anybody. Um, and two, you're allowing me to teach you something. So we're both getting something positive out of this experience, right? I don't want you to struggle looking for a solution when I have that solution. And all you had to do was say, Hey, I have this question and it can be tough, right? Cause then if you're asking a lot of questions, Oh my God, what's going on? Whatever. But 
you know, it, it it is hard to get yourself into that chair or that couch or that, I don't know, your bed if you're like doing it over Zoom or something today, because you you can find every excuse in the book not to go, right? I mean, shit, when I, you know, called her and left the voicemail, I deleted it like five times. Because the first one was like, hi, you know, like you uh, you spoke with my friend a shot. And I was like, shit, we're not supposed to use patient names as if it's like a goddamn like Alcoholics Anonymous. So I was like, click, delete. And it was like uh, next time, you know, like, hi. Whatever. And eventually it got to the point where I had I wrote it out and I had it practiced like, hello, Dr. X, Y, and Z. I am Matthew, blah, blah, blah. I uh, was referred to you by one of my friends who I will not name or whatever. And it's like, I'm trying to sound like professional or some shit. I don't, I don't fucking know, right? I was all up in my head. Um, but you know, up until that point of actually taking that action, every like excuse was like, oh, I'll just do it next week. I'll do it next month. I'll, I'll do it whenever. And um, it's very easy to put those things off. But what I will say to the counterpoint is every day that you spend not getting that help, whether it's from a therapist, it's from a family member, a friend, again, if it's from your fucking dog, it doesn't matter. You need to be able to talk about your feelings and process them. Uh, every day you're not spending getting that help is another day that you may be suffering. And ultimately, I think that when you have a solution to some of that suffering, it starts to become needless. And it starts to maybe get you stuck in that idea that you feel like you're always going to be this way. You're always going to feel this way. You're always going to come home and, and, and cry. You're always going to be stressed out at work. You're always going to be afraid to ask for help or whatever it may be. And it's tough. But if you can take that step forward and step out of your comfort zone, and challenge yourself in that way to say like, hey, let me go to therapy. Let me let me find this thing. Let me tackle like the gender norms that we have. And like, I'm going to go to therapy as a man, whatever, right? Um, that's where you're really going to find growth, because then they're going to ask you the the true questions and push you in those directions. You know, and like, you know, I've said shit to my therapist, and this is a while ago, but she says, I'm like, that's just not a good answer. And I was like, I was like, I know it's not a good answer. I said it, right? You know, she's like, well, how do you feel with this situation? I don't know. Well, no, you, you can't you can't say that. How do you feel? And then I would say I'm fucking angry, right? I can't believe that my friend did this to me or that my parents did this or whoever, whatever the situation was, right? And worked through it with her. But sometimes you need that little push, you know? So. No, definitely. I think when I first started therapy, when she would ask me questions, all my questions were, I don't know, or I just didn't talk about any of it, right? Because it was something so new. I'd never been to therapy. I'd never talked about my feelings. <laughs> um, so I didn't know how to, and it, it took some time. And, you know, her sort of continually asking me or probing me or asking it in a different way for me to finally open up. Um, I want to throw a quick shout out. I mean, I you know, I think we talked about how each of you guys had someone that um, that pushed you to go and see a therapist. Uh, and I don't know if I mentioned this before. And she didn't really push me, but my sister always told me she would see a therapist. She told me to go see a therapist. Um, and eventually I did. <laughs> so I guess uh, my uh, the person that pushed me was my sister. Um, it just... Uh, instead of taking nine months or however long it took you, Anna, um, it probably took me a couple of years. So, oh, well, Annika's been shouting at all of us to go to therapy for a real long time, and it's funny because we can also sit here. Like I'm thinking back to when this idea of like going to therapy was sort of starting to become a little bit normalized, right? 
it was easy to sit and be like, oh my God, that person needs therapy, right? But never looking at myself like, girl, you need therapy. So it took someone else being like, maybe you should talk to someone. Oh my God, speaking of, there's a book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. And it's literally a therapist wrote it about going to therapy. Yeah, my uh, uh, Andrea's read it. Yeah, she liked it a lot. Such a good book. Sorry, I cut you off, Matt. Oh, no, that's... that's I I think we both did. It's all right. This podcast is a continuous uh, uh, repetition of him cutting me off and me cutting him off. (laughs) Very true. Very true. It's just one big tangent. I was going to say, though, that uh, because of the pandemic... Uh, obviously, you know, gyms were shut down and stuff, right? So people weren't doing like CrossFit as much and people weren't talking about CrossFit because if you know CrossFitters, all they do is talk about CrossFit. Same way jujitsu people want to talk about jujitsu, so on and so forth. So I told my therapist last week, I was like, I feel like talking about therapy is the new CrossFit. Oh my God. All of my friends are like, bro, I went to my therapist and we talked about this and I had a breakthrough doing this and I do this because I was raised this way when I was a kid and I had this experience and, um, it's great because I mean, I was like, ah, it's super normalized. Cause she's like, wait, you're like telling your friends you're in therapy. I was like, I think they kind of know by now. <laughs> I mean, but also just, um, it's something that like, yeah, I mean, it used to very much be like that word that people would like, what's weird too. And I find it with a lot of guys is that guys that exhibit symptoms of anxiety will always just say, I'm really stressed out. They won't say anxiety. They won't say depression they won't put a label on it it's just oh just life's rough or like i'm stressed and then when you dig deeper there's people that are like when they use that word of like anxiety oh i had really bad anxiety last year oh that's great and then i usually say oh you know i have anxiety too all the stuff like i went to therapy it was a goddamn godsend i talked about how like i had to pay for it out of insurance for the first bit of mine and i was like literally the best money i've ever spent and um but then opening up to my friends like oh shit i'm also in therapy and it's like they were like wait, you, you've went to a therapy? It's almost like still like slightly taboo-ish, but it's becoming that new thing where everybody, it's almost like, a, I, think, I was listening to a podcast years ago and they're talking about New York and how like a lot of people in New York have therapists and how it's like, if you don't have a therapist in New York, you're not cool because <laughs> mental health is cool. And I was like, fuck, we need that like on the West Coast. Like, can we please just all go see a professional and um, get like a, a check-in, right? Because then you can help your friends as well, even with the things that you learn and like how you can ask questions, right? How did that make you feel? What are you feeling in the moment? Like you can probe them a little bit and then you understand more about other people. And ultimately you're going to be more empathetic and like overall less, you know, back to the main topic, like less toxic overall or, you know, whatever. Um, Matt, the East coast has therapy and the West coast has weed. We each (laughs) deal with mental health in our own ways, man. I'm just kidding. If you listen to last week's episode, I'm just saying it because it's, it's funny, but that's, that's pretty true, uh, though, right? I mean, like, actually, I, I was a random aside about uh, therapy. Like, I was talking to my therapist because, I mean, you guys have seen I haven't stopped talking in the past like 15 minutes, right? I just will rapid fire words, and uh, I told her as a joke, I was like, yeah, one of the reasons I do that in therapy is because I want to get my money's worth. Like, I want to make sure that 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 you can hear everything about a topic, right? And I'm giving you as much information as possible, and um. I asked her last week, I was like, yeah, do you ever like want to tell a patient to shut up? And she's like, no, like, I'm just, I'm in the zone. Like, I'm here to help you all this stuff. And I was like, really, you've never once thought I've talked too much. And she's like, no. 
And I was like, I think, I think you're weird. I was like, I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's like a good profession for you, but I was like, definitely there's a point in all of my friends' conversations where they're like, I got to go to bed now. <laughs> like, you have too much goddamn energy. I'm like a I fucking mean, puppy. To be fair, to be fair, if you were paying me to sit and listen to you, I'd be totally fine with it too. You could li- talk as much as you want. I'll, I'll venmo you right now. There. All right, do it. From now on, actually, I, I like this. From now on, if you're con- if you keep talking and your conversation is going too long, I'm gonna just start requesting money from you on Venmo. <laughs> Wait, does that mean does that retroactively work as well? Do I get paid for Monday? I don't. I don't know. I don't know. We can set the rules though, Anna. So yes, it does. Start uh, charging him. Have you heard of consent? I do not consent. Like, no, no, no. Uh, Sorry. I, I'm not. I'm not about to retroactively pay anything. I would be broke <laughs> as fuck. I'd be. I'd be negative money very quickly. Um. Sorry, Matt. Go, going back to what you were saying. Jokes aside. Going back to what you were saying though, about not being a word for anxiety, right? Or like men don't use it. In Armenian, there is actually no word for anxiety. The the word that gets used for anxiety is uncomfortable right so when someone is feeling anxious and uh, honestly i hadn't realized that th- that's what this was when i'd heard it before um because i obviously i'd heard it in armenian people say they feel uncomfortable but you know i i never thought that they meant that they're feeling anxious and it wasn't until later that uh until much later that i started like getting into anxiety and therapy and figuring out what anxiety is uh that i realized that but you know, when someone is feeling anxious, they say, hey, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Um, do, and do, I get, do you want to say the word just so we can learn a little bit more about the language and the culture? Sure. I mean, the, the word is anhangist. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if that I was, means anything to you. I was going to try and pronounce it and butcher it. I just, I just wanted to hear it because um, it's just a cool thing to, to learn. Yeah. So hangist means comfortable and then anhangist is uncomfortable. Um but yeah, so that's, you know, that's that's the word they use. And there's literally no word for saying, you know, I feel anxious. It's just, I feel uncomfortable. Uh, and, you know, hopefully the person can figure out <laughs> whether you feel uncomfortable or are feeling anxious. All I right. Uh, go ahead, Anna. Nope. Nope, we're good. No, no, no. No, what were you going to say? <laughs> okay, well, you have to cut that part out then. <laughs> Oh, oh absolutely! People don't care. Absolutely not. I, I, I get I get the privilege of editing this. Absolutely not. Just we're, we're rolling. I was just gonna say, Matt, you touched upon how um, going to therapy can also make you more empathetic. And I was thinking about how I feel like I've learned how to be a better friend by going to therapy, right? Because I think about like you were saying, like the questions that my therapist asks me. Now I recognize when somebody's feeling a way similar to how I was feeling when I was sitting in that chair. And I know this is a time that I should be asking this person these questions so that they can reflect. And then these, the people who I talk to then feel heard, you know, and it just like deepens your relationship with people too. It's really therapy just all around. There's literally no reason not to go. Oh, totally. I mean, Similarly, I think going to therapy has helped me in my other relationships too, because uh, I can now, <laughs> you know, kind of plagiarize and use those same questions when I know someone else is feeling anxious, uh, and hopefully help them a little bit. Uh, and then once you know, once they're like, "Oh my God, that helped," I can say, 
Yeah, well, there's therapy. You can go and get all the help yourself. <laughs> 90 times better than I can do it. Yeah, and that's actually a big reason why I love the podcast because it's bringing some of these tools to people's lives for free. Um, because one of the reasons why somebody may not be going to therapy is that the barrier of entry is money. Um, right. If you're paying out of pocket, it, it can be very expensive. If you don't have insurance, same thing. Uh, if it's like a situation like me where you have insurance and they don't cover your therapist you want to go to and they're uh, being little dicks, um, then same thing. Right. So like we're blessed enough to be able to have that as a resource and to be able to afford it, which is awesome. But that's why we like wanted to talk about it, not only to hit people that need it for free, but also like the, the male side of it as well that maybe need to hear somebody else going through it and somebody else saying it's okay that I felt this way. Also, if you have Kaiser, just a PSA, super easy to get a therapist. Just throwing this out there for all the listeners who have Kaiser. They literally just call the number, they screen you and they schedule you with, they like pre-match you to someone who, cause you tell them like what's wrong or why you feel you need therapy. So they'll kind of try to match you to someone based on what their specialty is. That's pretty cool. Uh, yeah. Blue Shield does the same. They have a phone number and you can even do it online. Similarly, right? You put sort of what it is, show all the people in your area um, and tell you, again, recommend someone the same way. I'm desperately trying to come up with a pun for like psychologists and Tinder. I can't think of anything. So um, just, you know, like how, how like, I, I don't know, you know, to match you up with somebody that's actually going to help you grow like that. That's That's, that's gross. What? <laughs> no, not He's not saying in a romantic yeah. way. No, I have no, to say no, like, I know. He's saying but like, therapist. when you say it like that. <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. No, I mean, oh well, yeah, it's kind of like a person. Fine. Yeah, I mean, it is. It is a match system. But you know, like, what if like I'm a dog person and my therapist is a cat person, and I start talking about my dog, and they just roll their eyes, and now I feel that's sad. not a very good therapist. I think, then I think if they're a professional, they wouldn't care whether you're a dog or cat person. They'll still listen to you. It's true. Although, my therapist now will like make faces at me when I'm talking, and that's how I know that I'm saying something stupid. Not that face. <laughs> no, not... I hate you so much. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but she'll make a face like, and I'm like, damn it! I knew, I knew that like I already had this thought in my head about this saying this out loud. And then she like confirmed it. I'm like, damn it. Not in a bad way, but like in a good way. She like calls me uh, out. But I mean, she still facial. listens, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. She calls me out with those facial expressions. And I'm like, oh, Yeah, she, if, if they hit you with the, hmm? <laughs> you're like, yeah, all right. I know I shouldn't have done yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, Anna. Um, I think we've kept you long enough. Is there any uh, last words or anything else you want to you want to say before we uh end this episode just want to give a shout out i'm just kidding oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no i just uh i wanted to say thank you for making space for not just me but for each other and for other people who are listening right because even though pe the people who are listening aren't necessarily we can't hear them but you know that they're driving in their car and they're they're talking to you you know so i appreciate that you've made this safe space to have these conversations and for bringing me into it.
Yeah, of course. Thank, thank you very much again for taking time and coming on and talking um, about your experiences and toxicity and just everything. I think, I think it was overall a very good conversation. It'll be very beneficial for mm-hmm. our listeners. You better make um, it look good. <laughs> there's no video, so we'll, we'll definitely make you sound good, though. Okay, good. <laughs> Not that you sound bad, just, you know. We do this to ourselves too. Yeah, we we're just to gonna, we're just gonna apply like the, the volume, the, the, the yeah. Darth Vader filter to it. <laughs> yeah, love That's it. That's funny. Anyway, but again, I, I know we talked about it earlier. We'd love to have you back um, at some point, so we'll we'll definitely plan something out. Uh, but thank you again. Thank you uh, to all of our listeners. Stay safe. Stay healthy, everyone. Uh, we'll talk to you guys again on Thursday. <laughs>